Welcome to the Strategy Sherpa Show, a series of organic discussions between hosts David Chavez and a variety of notable business leaders centered around their most significant failures and how they handled those challenges so listeners can learn from their most teachable moments and apply the lessons to their organizations. Now, here's your host, David Chavez. Hello, everybody. This is David Chavez. Uh, we're getting ready to do the Strategy Sherpa show today, and I have a great guest for you. Um, it is Joel Stevenson, and uh, Joel is going to share some of his wisdom with us. But before he does that, I want to talk a little bit about the cash uh, workshop that I'm doing. It's uh, cash focused. It's a webinar on the 30th at 1 p.m. Central Time. That's Central Time, so that'd be 11 o'clock. Pacific uh, uh, two on the East Coast, and it's going to be um, decoding uh, misperceptions about your uh, cash flow and how to help your employees understand a little bit better about cash flow so they can help you inside of your business. And um, but that that's our on the thirtieth, and that's one p.m. Central Time. But let's not waste any time because we have Joel here, and he's ready to go. Um, so Joel, welcome to the show. Thanks, David. Good to be here. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, joining us. So um, we always like to start off, you know, um, we do this show and uh, I, I, I've known you for a while now, so you appreciate this. Um, we talk about as as CEOs or executives and companies or even leaders, I've talked to even leaders also inside of the company. Um, uh, um, what we talk about is our Things that we have done that ended up being huge mistakes. Now, at the time when we did it, we thought we were the brightest person in the room. <laughs> so, so, but it ended up not working out so well for us. And so, and then what did we go about to do to fix it? It's not to rub our nose in it or anything like that. It's to help people understand that part of the game of being an entrepreneur involves making wrong decisions. Right. And how do you get through those things? Well, we've got weeks of material to cover if we're talking about my mistakes. So that's good. <laughs> that's what I say, too. It's like there's so many. I, I, I don't even know how to count them all. But we've had some really great um, guests on the show. And why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your background? And, you know, you could start back as far as you want, but at least college. Yeah. Um, yeah, I uh, did my undergrad at University of Illinois, and um, I went into sales after that and uh, did a bunch of sales roles. So I sort of got caught up in the dot-com boom and eventually ended up at a at a software company. It was kind of part of you know the original dot-com wave, and then that uh, was not a thing anymore. <laughs> um, and then I joined another company that um, got, got severely impacted by 9-11 and it, it sort of felt like, you know, and it's also to credit my wife for this, but it was sort of like the universe telling me that I needed to do something different. And, uh, I ended up going back and getting my, uh, MBA at uh, Yale school of management and tried to kind of reinvent myself a little bit as more of a quantitative person, whereas I was always been sort of customer facing. Uh, before that. And so I did a finance concentration. I ended up working at a consulting firm called ZS Associates for uh, a little over a year and then got sort of got caught by the startup bug again and ended up going to a, a supply chain startup where I knew some people in Chicago. That didn't end up working very well. Uh, there were some problems with the business model, but my boss there was this guy, James, who had worked with the 
co-founders of this little company in Boston called CSNStores.com. And he's like, oh, you should come out here and work for these guys. And CSNStores.com later became Wayfair. Um, oh. And I was there for seven and a half years through the IPO and everything else and, and did some interesting stuff there. I um, I ran some categories. Uh, we used to have all these individual uh, websites. So I ran some categories for a while. I ran our UK business for a couple of years. I came back and uh, stood up our FP&A function while we were going public. And then um, the thing I'm most proud of is I built this B2B business, this sort of division inside of Wayfair. Uh, we got that up to about 400 million uh, before I left. And then I, part of part of the way that we did that was we had a big focus on sales productivity or technology as applied to sales productivity. Mm-hmm. And when I was leaving Wayfair, it just got a little bit too big for me. We had an investor in common with this other company called Yesware. And my general career rule is I only work for companies that rhyme with the one before it. So I decided to so decided to take that <laughs> job. And um Hold on, uh, so that, hold on, hold on, yeah. hold on. I, I can't let that statement go. So you only go with the next job with companies that rhyme with the last one. Yeah, it's actually only happened that one time. But <laughs> I love uh, that joke. That's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> so, uh, but it, right, sorry, it, it, it is. It can be problematic because sometimes when I'm telling the story, I confuse yes, we're in Wayfair and, and everybody it makes it even more hard to understand what's going on. But I'll, I'll try to keep it straight today. Um, so, so I went from kind of a, a buyer of sales technology to a seller of sales technology at Yesware, and then I was, um, I had started, um, you know, running sales and marketing there, and then took the CEO seat about a year later. Um, you know, we met shortly thereafter uh, as we did some work together with the team, and then um, was I was about six years, and then a year about a little over a year ago, we ended up selling the company to. A Canadian company called Vendasta, which mm-hmm. is a company that builds technology for small and local businesses to help them, you know, manage their online reputation, get found, um, all, all the sort of things that you you know, certainly need to market your your small business. There and some other stuff as well. Um, and they they primarily go to market through channel, but they had a big sales team that was already a Yesware customer, and so they wanted to take the Yesware application and sort of. Uh, bake it into the solution that they deliver to their channel that in turn helps them sell more effectively to to their customers. So so that's what we did. And then we ended up acquiring a few other companies. Um, and I was overseeing the that group of companies sort of go to market that was a direct go to market because they had only gone to market indirectly via channel. But yes, where it always sold directly to the end customer, these other companies did as well. And so I kind of was looking after that. Um, for a period of time. And then ultimately, my plan was to leave and then do some entrepreneurial stuff. So we got that into what I felt like was a good place. And uh, then it was time for me to move on, which is brings us to today. Yeah. So t- so today, um, you you and I were speaking right before the show a little bit. And um, what's, on, what, what's on your agenda right now? What are you working on? Yeah. So I, I had a little, I had some time off between Wayfair and Yesware. And with a couple of partners, I started this little business where we import furniture um, uh, from Asia and we sell it on Wayfair. And you know, like a very, only bathroom vanities. It's like a very particular, it's kind of a goofy business really. Um, but we, we've been able to grow it. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a pretty big business now. And, uh, but I've never really spent much time in it because obviously I've had a demanding uh, day job for an extended period. So I, I want to spend some time on that. Um, that, that business is called um, Highbury Furnishings. And then I want to try to start to incubate something a little bit new in the health insurance space 
and um, hopefully write a book here in the next year uh, on uh-huh. entrepreneurship. Yeah, I, uh, the book on entrepreneurship, right? Yep. And, and what what do you mean by entrepreneurship? Just from your definition. Yeah, my my the the idea is is how do you start new things inside of existing companies? And so, like when when we started the Wayfair B two B business, I had always kind of wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I got married a little young. We had kids a little young. Like I had a lot of things that sort of prevented me from taking on a lot of risk at that point in my life. But the, but there was still an opportunity to to do those things. And so I had the chance to do that inside of a company, um, build something pretty big and then be a CEO of a different company and then also be an entrepreneur. And so, uh, and I've found that all of those experiences share a bunch of share some common characteristics and threads. Awesome. And so the, the general idea is to, I try to think of it as like, you know, a book that I might write, write for my, you know, 30 year old self or something where it's like, you're sitting here, you're a big company, you want to make a difference or an impact for you and that company, like, what do you do? Kind of a yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's really good. I, I love the entrepreneurship uh, even name. I, uh, I've i heard it a couple of times in passing, but uh, when you had uh, mentioned it to me a little earlier, I was, I'm fascinated by it because, you know, if you're in an entrepreneurial company, having a few entrepreneurs with you could really help you. Yeah. 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 And I think the, the key to that, um, you know, is often, you know, both for the company and for the person who wants to do it is like the co- the company needs to create the conditions for that to happen. Right. Um, and the, and the, the biggest thing that happens with entrepreneurship is the same thing that happens with entrepreneurship is you fail most of the time. <laughs> you know, most <laughs> of these things don't work. And the, the, the great gift that I got a wafer was the first thing I tried was a miserable failure. Um, <laughs> and the, and the beauty of it was like nothing happened because, you know, the, we, the idea was well thought out. We executed it well. It didn't work, but because, be, because the, you know, the company had that entrepreneurial spirit, people understood that versus like going to another company where, you know, if, if you're immediately punished for trying something new and failing, you know, that's not good for anybody. That's, that's, that's right. That's right. You gotta, you gotta be able to do it. Uh, well, well, I, I love it. I love it. The, uh, I love the whole entrepreneur thing. So um, we're, we're getting, uh, we, we've got about four minutes left in this segment. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the issue that, um, or the thing that you wanted to talk about. So um, let's talk a little bit about one of the decisions you made that didn't turn out so well. So I think you just alluded to one, and that was probably a fun experience all the way around because killing something is just as important as keeping it going, right? Yeah. Um, because sometimes we uh, torture ourselves trying to keep it going too long. So we could talk a little bit about that. But what is the one of the decisions that you wanted to talk about today? Yeah, I mean, it's almost maybe uh, in some sense, it's almost a lack of a decision where um, we had a situation at... Um, you know, yes, where where we we were selling to salespeople, and I had come from the go to market side. I, I wasn't really a product or an engineering person necessarily, but um, the the thing is, like, I understood our market well um, because I did sort of come from that yeah. market, and we had this. You know, I mean, you you met like we had this in, incredibly talented um, and uh, and intelligent and great product team. That yes. and I, I gave them a lot of room to run, and I just sort of didn't try to, you know, kind of t- put my hand on the scale very much there, and um, that that was a that was a mistake, um, I think, just because the you know number one the the that was sort of the fate of the company was riding on that, and I think I I should have I should have taken a 
I should have taken a uh, you know a, a stronger view there. And also, you know, like I I knew the customer better than anybody else, um, just because I had been doing it for so long. Um, and that was a, and so it, it took me a, longer than it should have to eventually get to the place where, you know, I sort of said that you know I'm going to make the final decisions on on what we're building. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I wish I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have yeah. done that sooner. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is, is that you wanted to um, allow your people the space to be creative, but um, they didn't have the uh, the knowledge and the understanding of the customer that you did, and you should have been a little bit more influential on the decisions they were making on the product development side to match up to a little bit better what the salespeople were looking for from the software. Yeah, and it, part of it is that we had the way that we went to market. We have this—you uh, could sign up for a free trial. So we had a lot of individuals. We had big companies. We had small companies. And so, part of the challenge of building product in that environment is who you listen to. Like you could, you know, you could do ten calls with ten different people and get ten different answers about what was important and what they cared about. And so, I think part of the challenge that we had in that environment where it was where you know it was a little bit too free flowing is you know somebody might go in with a with a prior uh, conception about what was right, talk to 10 people. And the one person, they all said 10 different things, but the one person who said something that matched their hypothesis, that was kind of the thing that got picked. Um, <laughs> and so we, we didn't have quite as much of a uh, you know, maybe uh, a, a strong enough vision about like, these are the set of people that you listen to and for these reasons, and this is what's important. Yeah. So uh, basically focusing it a little in a little bit more to the, I, I, I guess your real core customer, the customer that really provided you an optimal profit, um, mm-hmm. and you didn't bring it in enough in that way to say, hey, here's what the customer's saying. We really need to be working on these things as far as the product development goes. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that correctly? Yep. Okay. All right. Well, hey, we're, uh, part of this show is it's a live radio show. And so we're going to run over to a break and then we'll come right back and we'll pick it up here. And um, this is Strategy Sherpa Show. And we have Joel Stevenson, uh, the former CEO of Yesware. So we'll be right back after this message. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Volato. Our vision at Volato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our jet share program that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. 
Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all the, the revenue that that plane generates. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Hey, everyone. This is David Chavez. This is the Strategy Sherpa Show, where we talk to uh, leaders who have made mistakes with their decisions. And then what did they do to overcome that mistake? So we have Joel Stevenson with us. He ran Yesware. He's the CEO of Yesware for quite a, for about six years. And he uh, um, brought to us that his product development team, very talented, what he said, he said probably had some of the best people around. And um, the only issue was he uh, gave them a little too much latitude. So it's actually the decisions that he wasn't making or the decisions he was um, delegating to others when he should have been a little bit more involved. And he said that he was the closest to the customer. Is that that's correct, right, Joel? You had a yep. lot of feedback because you were... For years, that's what you sort of did is built these markets. So you understood sales very well and you understood how to do it in the digital way. And that that was sort of your forte, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So so talk a little bit about what happened. Like uh talk about what happened, like what were some of the decisions? What how did that impact the results that you guys had? And then what happened inside of the company? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think part of part of the challenge was, I mean, I think you know, by the time I showed up and with that, you know, and with sort of a, a reconstituted executive team, like we were already playing defense a little bit mm -hmm. uh, against some of our competitors. And so time was not on our side at that point. Also, resources were not on our side. We had significantly fewer resources than uh, than some of our uh, than some of our top uh, competitors. And so like the, the margin for error was was really, really small. And so I think part of it has to do with the with the situation that we found ourselves in. Like if we had been in a different situation where we had actually been the company that had the majority of the resources and we were on offense and it was sort of a question of like, how do we continue to maintain or extend this advantage? The stuff that we were doing actually might've been fine, actually might've been the right way to do it. But I think what we were, you know, I, was, I sometimes describe it as, you know, we ended up in a bar fight and we were sort of doing grand strategy about like, you know, uh, massive, you know, uh, you know, uh, colonial battlefield, uh, you know, tactics or something. And what we really needed was to break a bottle and smash it over somebody's head. And we didn't have much time to do that. Um, and okay. I, I think for for startups, uh, you know, like ours, it, that can be 
it can be challenging because in the early days it was like that. Um, and one of the co-founders was still in the business. I had taken over from the original um, CEO and co-founder. But you know, you 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 sort of achieve a level of success. Uh, you know, oftentimes by operating that way. But then yeah. you get bigger and more people show up, and you know, you sort of you get a you also get this incumbent customer base that wants a set of things, and they pull you in a certain direction. And all these things sort of conspire to make it more difficult for you to to make decisions quickly and pivot quickly. Um, and so I think we just sort of got ourselves into a situation where that was the, that was our modus operandi was we were very thoughtful and considerate and process oriented and all of these things, which in, in other situations, like I said, like we're probably could have been great advantages, but we, you know, the market kind of changed, uh, quickly, um, and we needed to react more quickly to it. And it just, it, you know, I, I felt like we didn't we didn't change as quickly as we could have. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So so there's um, several things to unpack here. So um, you had talked a little bit about having the development team and that them you not being involved or you not being as strong a voice as you needed to be is that that uh, with them as far as um, sharing them. Uh, with them customer information that should impact the way the product is being developed. Is that, is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah. I think just, you know, sort of, or just, you know, maybe being a, a step down in the decision-making process. Okay. Um, you know, that people talk about, I don't know, this is a hard problem to solve, I think, but people talk about the difference between tactics and strategy. And it's sort of like, sometimes people talk about like, Oh, like, you know, um, you know, as CEO, your job is to tell us that, you know, we're, we're going to the moon and then we're going to figure out how to get there. But, but then it's like, okay, well, what if I say that we're going to the moon and we're going to use a rocket to get there and you figure out what kind of rocket it is. And they're like, okay, well, that's fine. But then we're going to figure out, you know, we should figure out the engine. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like we're going to go to the moon on a rocket with a standard engine and you uh -huh. figure out everything else. It's like, so you could just, you can keep playing this game about, you know, where does the vision stop and where does the tactics begin? And, right. uh, you know, and I, 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 that, that is a difficult balance to strike and you've got certain, you know, a certain set of people that, you know, it's like, you don't want to hire good people and not let them do anything or think for themselves and try to figure out, you know, the right sets of things to do. You, you want to have your people, thinking and feeling like they have ownership and uh, and agency in what they're doing but like trying to figure out where to draw that line of like here's where the vision starts and here's where you figure out how to meet the vision is yeah. that's a dynamic process it's not a it's not a set it and forget it and i i think we probably ended up a little bit too much of like hey we're going to the moon people like figure out how to get us to the moon and i think it really should have been a few levels down of like you know, actually, we need this kind of rocket to get us to the moon and you figure out how to build it sort of thing. Right. right. So so um, what I hear you saying, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm fine with being wrong because I just want to make sure that uh, the listeners can understand, too. Um, so so what I hear you saying is, is that um, you 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 were you were building the you were not influencing the building of the rocket you were saying go to the moon and you weren't actively involved in it and i think this is a really valuable lesson for smaller companies to understand because we um we lack resources right and you even mentioned that in your in in when you brought it up so we're lacking resources 
resources. And so we're not a big company or we're not the United States government that says, hey, we're going to the moon, throw all our resources towards that, where you have unlimited resources. Um, so that's not that wasn't yesware, right? Um, yeah. You had very limited resources and you were trying to do something big because and I, I was actually we we were working together a little bit at the time when the market shifted real drastically, right? Um, the privacy came, thing came into play, um, sort of. And then so you let the teams still run their own show a little bit too much at that time when the market was shifting fairly quickly. Yeah. And you yeah, should have been right, a right. little more directive is what you're saying. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. And I think, in, you know, there, there are many things going on, but, you know, another another factor there was the thing that we really needed to redo and to, uh, and to fix the most was actually the hardest thing to tackle. Uh -huh. And I think we sort of convinced ourselves that maybe it wasn't that important that we could have actually worked on other stuff to differentiate ourselves in different ways. And we and the thing that um, the place that we were losing um, instead of throwing all the resources at that and actually fixing the thing that was causing us to lose, we uh -huh. sort of tried to sh change the game and say, like, that doesn't matter. It's these other things that matter. And it turned uh -huh. out that other thing was the thing that really uh, th that really mattered. And, um, you know, do you, was, do you, it, can you share what that thing was? Well, we we had I mean, this this gets into the weeds a little bit, but, you know, there's in sales enablement, there's various different features that people have. There's, you know, email tracking, there's templates that you use to put out different communications, there's reporting, there's uh, there, there are many there are, there's meeting scheduling, there's all these different things that you do. But one, one key aspect of it is this um, functionality we at the time called campaigns, other people called cadences or sequences. It's this thing where you basically take a structured series of communications towards a given person you're trying to get in touch with you might say send this email if you don't hear back send this other email if you don't hear back send a linkedin message if you don't hear back send them a text message like that that type of stuff it's a structured outbound um communications and and so, we were so not sales funnels really right sales yeah. funnels and how you interact with those and using them in different places too yeah that's right okay. so it's sort of you know think of it as like you know, marketing uh, automation, like, you know, a MailChimp or a constant contact, but really for an individual person to talk to another individual um, mm -hmm. and do it at some scale. So, so that, that, that was kind of the, the piece of it. And we had, we had a, pr a previous version of that software that we basically tried to shoehorn into this other functionality and mm -hmm. it just never worked right. And, you know, the, it didn't come until actually, uh, you know, much, much later when we had a new VP of engineering um, that was, you know, that we sort of battlefield promoted that we finally made the decision to throw that old system away and build a new one. Um, and we're still, you know, we at the time I left, we still weren't done with that, but we, that we should have made that call. I think we should have made that call much earlier. We should have thrown everything at that. Absolutely everything. Um, and we, uh, you know, we, we failed to do that. So what you should have done is what you're saying is you should have left the old software there, let it earn what it was going to earn, and at the same time, just build the new software from the bottom up. Yeah, because yeah, there essentially, was some, yeah. There was, some hole, there was some holes in the old software that just couldn't really be repaired Yeah, in, yeah. in a quick, efficient way. That's right, and it's it, okay. it's a difficult conversation to have with um with product and engineering people because there's like the second system syndrome, and it's like oh shiny you know shiny object like there's a lot of you know and I think uh, there's some wisdom in all of those things, but you know it, that's kind of when 
you know, I think the CEO needs to make an unpopular call and just get everybody aligned around it, you know, versus sort of saying like, I don't know, you guys figure it out. And it's because that is the sort of thing where it's like, all right, we're going to go do this thing that might actually tank the company. Right. But if we don't do it, we're tanked anyway. Right, right, right. Um, And, uh, you know, I I just think I just wasn't at the time, I just wasn't bold enough to make that call. Yeah. Well, I I think it's a little bit of, uh, you you know, I think as leaders, we're trying to be collaborative and we want to be open to ideas and we want to make sure that we're listening to our people. But uh, um, I, and there's a fine line between listening and then making some key decisions that need to be made. And that line gets very blurry. Is that is that mm. fair for the way I said that, too, for you? Yep. Gets yeah, blurry yeah. And, and and moves over time. Yeah, and I, I like how you said a little earlier that it's not it's not a it's an iterative process. It's not a one thing where you sit down and make a decision. You're trying to be collaborative so you can bring people through the change process. And we'll talk about that more in just a few moments. But we're going to take a break for a few minutes. And I just wanted to remind everybody this is the Strategy Sherpa Show, and I want to um, say that uh, just remind you that I have that cash workshop that I'm actually doing. It's a webinar. I should say webinar. One o'clock central time on the 30th. Please mark your calendar. I'd love for you to join us. Get on the website and you can sign up at events uh, at a shirt strategy backslash events and um, sign up for that. We'll be right back after we take a short break here. Thank you. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Anyone can learn the keys to success from podcasts, TED Talks, and other forms of media. But what you really don't learn is the failures that lead up to that point. Join David Chavez on the Strategy Sherpa Show as he and notable business leaders have that discussion and teach you how valuable it is to learn from your failures. The Strategy Sherpa Show, Mondays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. All right. This is David Chavez. This is the Strategy Sherpa Show. We have Joel Stevenson here today, the former CEO of Yesware, and he's talking about 
uh, it's uh, the mis- one of the big mistakes he made inside of the company. And we were talking a little bit about it during break. And Joel, you know, um, this is so hard. You know, I, I, I think as a leader, we want to make sure we're listening to our people. But sometimes our gut is telling us that it's not the right decision. And we, we have to walk this fine line of not disengaging the people and keeping them engaged, but at the same time, trying to direct what we think is right, but but allow the creativity of your team to sort of guide too, right? And I think that you were talking a little bit about the rocket ship and going to the moon versus what rocket it is versus what engine it is. And, you know, so you got to be a little careful there. And and you were talking a little bit about some of the, the issue around that during yeah. the break. Yeah. Yeah. And I, there, there's, um, there's a little bit of, I think something that happens when you get, you know, really talented people. And I see this maybe a little bit more with the younger generations. It's like some kind of a social media phenomenon or something where you, you see, you know, I just saw one of these the other day. Um, I don't know if it was on LinkedIn or Twitter or something, but something come across basically like, Hey, like I was the person that did this thing at this company and you can learn, you know, and it's in some ways I'm, uh, you know, I'm talking about the same thing with this book concept, but you see it a lot on social media, like, Hey, I ran this playbook at this company and you should steal my secrets or like something like that. And, and oftentimes like the person still works at the company, which I'm always amazed at, like, <laughs> isn't there some kind of a, you know, employment agreement that says that they're not supposed to share trade secrets on social media, but I don't know, for some reason it's like, it doesn't apply to marketers uh, that are millennials or, or younger, apparently. Um, but you get this, I think sometimes we, we fall into this trap where, it's a little bit of this uh, non-invented here syndrome where uh, you can get, I think sometimes people, uh, it's it's kind of like this, I almost liken it to the thing you see where, um, you know, there's like a sporting event. It's like, you know, where LeBron James was going to get like his, I don't know, whatever is like his Jillianth point or something. And you had the the picture of everybody with their phones taking the picture of him shooting the shot and the one guy that just watched it without a phone or something. It's like people are sort of living their lives as an anticipated memory or something like this. And I think sometimes in companies, um, employees do the same thing where you're like, you're living your job is like an anticipated memory of like, you know, how am I, how is this going to help my resume? And what ends up happening in that case sometimes is I think you end up getting into a place where you have this hierarchy and the the top of the hierarchy is that it was my idea and it was right. Yeah. And the second level of the hierarchy is it was my idea and it was wrong. And actually the third level of the hierarchy is it was somebody else's idea and it was right. Obviously then the last one would be like, it's, you know, somebody else's idea and it was wrong. But this idea that, um, you know, if the idea came from somebody else and I just implemented it like it and I and we won isn't as good as if I came up with the idea and we and we won. You know, so I would right. rather have it all be my ideas and fail on the off chance that we win versus like the team wins. And right. um, I that I think is it, it is a is a difficult uh, dynamic to to sort of handle. And I, I, and I, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting old and, and crotchety, but I do send it, see that a little bit more in, uh, in some of the, the younger, uh, members of the workforce. Yeah. So, so, uh, um, I, 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 I love what you just said, because I think that sometimes in a, in a company that's scaling, the, the difficulty is a lot of the stuff you see in the media 
uh, articles that are written are about larger companies who have a lot more resources and have the ability um, that if they're wrong on decisions, they have the ability to absorb it into the company and it doesn't impact the ability to even pay people. Right. Versus when you're in a small company and these mistakes happen or, and even a small to midsize, you know, you're making that change into a little larger company. You, the resources and the ability to absorb the financial losses aren't as strong. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I what I hear you saying overarching, what I hear you saying is I'm trying to hold on. I should be making be a little bit more involved and be a little more directive when I know we're going off the rails because we don't have the resources and the financial means to absorb the massive losses. And if I'm going to be wrong as a CEO and my career is going to be uh, have a stake on it, I want to make sure that it is on something that maybe I agreed with maybe. Not yeah. that I needed to make all the decisions, but I at least agreed with the approach we were trying to take. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, and maybe in some sense, acting as more of a re more as a referee to say that it's sort of, you know, providing a counterbalance to say, like, it doesn't matter where the idea comes from, like whether it's even my idea or somebody else's idea. The important thing is to get the right idea. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where, you know, like we saw this show up a little bit where, um, you know, our sales team had a particular point of view and feedback and they didn't always deliver it in the best way possible. But, um, you know, I think that with the benefit of hindsight, they were largely correct uh, in, in their assessment. And, um, and uh, you know, we, we, we weren't, if, if we would have probably taken into a greater, uh, put greater import on what the team was saying versus sort of dismissing them as like, well, they're just one data point, like you can't listen to them. Um, I, I think we we would have ended up in a in a different spot. And as CEO, I think it was probably it was my job to to sort of to, to participate more actively in that decision and say no, like th th we're listening to this group, like they're right. Yeah. I believe they're right. You know. Yeah, yeah. So so it's just um, it's 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 being involved in those decisions, and then if your gut is going to one or side or the other. Um, uh, sort of making that decision of which way we're going. Yeah. Right. And, and, and you said something really interesting there, like the, um, and, and I see this in a lot of companies, you know, usually operations or in, in a, in an internet company or a software type company operations is usually the development team, right? There's some ops that takes care of the customers and the, you know, uh, uh, customer service and things, but the development team is really the operations of the company because it's really solving the consumer's needs. Mm -hmm. And then, so you have your salespeople and the operations people, they always love each other. And every company I worked with, they sit around and they kumbaya together and things like that. I'm being totally sarcastic because usually these two people fight the most, right? Yeah. So the salespeople aren't delivering the message to the uh, people correctly, which is putting them on defense, which they don't want to listen. Then they want to fight. Mm -hmm. So instead of collaborating and trying to make it work best for the company or the customer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, and uh, I don't think this was unique to us. You know, as you said, you, you see in a lot of different companies. And what's, Everything. what's a funny about that or ironic about that is that, you know, oftentimes the salespeople are, 
you know, very persuasive outside the company, but then inside the company, they sort of forget about that skill and they just yeah. try to ram stuff through or, you know, do it in a totally different way. And if they would just apply the same tactics that they used to try to land the big deal to sort of work with the teams internally, they would actually get a lot more done and probably would end up being better for the company in many cases. I think you just said probably the one of the most profound things that uh, on this on this on um, with this whole thing, it's like if the salespeople would use their talent because I know you had some huge accounts, right? Mm -hmm. You had some really talented salespeople that had the business acumen to just go in and wow people, and then they come into the company and they didn't use that same wow that they had the ability to do because we saw it over and over with the with the sales that we're making right mm -hmm. it's really interesting how you said that yeah and some of it is you know is experience and uh and that was you know the with coaching and and effort that got better over time um, right but uh yeah you see you see it all the time it's uh it's funny it's you know it's kind of like you sort of you know treat everybody the way you want to be treated kind of thing only yeah. applies outside the company and not inside the company <laughs> yeah. you know because yeah. if those damn operations people or r&d or whatever you know label you want to slap on the thing would just be better i'd be making more money and they you know that they're the problem kind of thing yeah yeah and, 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 you know, one of the best people, a thing about having young people in your company is their ability to tap into the new, right? Because, um, you know, like uh, kids today, I can imagine kids today coming out of like high school right now, they're going to be AI wizards in four years. Mm -hmm. And us old farts, we're still going to be trying to figure out what's AI. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, and, and, but, but at the same time, I think some of the young people, what they discount is some of the wisdom we bring to the table, you know, from uh, having made decisions that were bad and things like that in the past and um, some that were good, too, and how to work with teams and things like that. So it's 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 trying to balance those two things and keep them engaged, but at the same time, making sure they're using some of your wisdom. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, I think it, you know, it, it takes a village in some sense of generations. And yeah, like if you want, I mean, there's there's evidence that's emerging now that uh, younger uh, programmers are doing a much better job taking advantage of some of these AI tools like Copilot and other things to to code faster, and right. um, you know because they're they're maybe less set in their ways or they're more used to this whatever it ends up being. And so you've and yeah, like you know the uh, younger generations are social media natives, like all of these things that you know that at least in you know I'm Gen X, like we're not quite as good at or maybe not as native to. Yeah, you you gotta you know. Ideally, you you take the best of 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 all these um, different generations and what they have to offer, and and that ends up you know kind of all the ingredients that end up baking your you know company cake or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Well, Joel. Um. So it, it's an absolute pleasure having you on. I I wanted to um take up just a, a moment here and just sort of summarize um your your wisdom that you brought the the to the to this. Um, so the mistake was not not being a little more directive when I my gut was telling me the direction that the team was going was not going to probably work. Yep. Okay. And then um, and then really what you're saying too, because I think this is really important for all businesses out there, is listen to your customer. Right inside of scaling up, which I I've been a coach with them for fifteen with them for fifteen years now, 
inside of scaling up, we have this Rockefeller habit number six, which is the customer feedback um, Rockefeller habit. And how do I get that feedback? Well, it sounds like you did a good job of getting customer feedback. You were actually engaged in some of that process, but then we didn't use that data to really help us develop the product. We, we sort of threw it out. And then that came from a little bit came from the salespeople not doing a good job of selling inside of the company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any last things that you would li like to share with everyone? Um, you have a new venture. Why don't you share with what you're doing? So yeah, they can so, maybe look uh, it up and help, uh, help you a little bit. Yeah. Well, if you, if you need a, if you happen to need a bathroom vanity, I think we make some pretty good ones. It's a little bit different than than sales software, um, but it's uh, it's kind of fun. How do they um, find you? Uh, well, the easiest way to do it is um, uh, we're on Wayfair, but it's kind of actually hard to find us on Wayfair because we're mostly private labeled. But if you go to one of Wayfair sites called Paragold.com uh, and you do a search for Highbury Furnishings Vanity, uh, most of our stuff should uh, should come up. So, okay. You know, if, if you're in need, I think we we do a pretty good job. Well, we'll put that in the description of the, uh, the this when we put, put it out to everybody that so that everybody can follow that link. And and Joe, I I just want to thank you for your time today and um, being willing to share with some of uh, um, your colleagues out there in the world and give them a little insight on some of the valuable lessons you did. And you know, it's great to know you, and I know we'll continue our relationship as we're going along and. Out of all the people I've met that it was an entrepreneur, I think you're going to make an outstanding entrepreneur, which it sounds like you're already proving yourself to do that. So, no, I appreciate that. Hopefully, uh, hopefully from from your uh, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> all right, Joe. Well, hey, thank you for being on the show today, and I'll look forward to talking to you soon. Take care. Sounds good. Take care. Appreciate you. Birdie told me Voice America is on X. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Hi, I'm Matt Liotta, CEO of Velato. Our vision at Velato is to change the private aviation industry by bringing innovative concepts that align our interests with our owners and customers. But what's really exciting about us is our JetShare program 
that allows you for the first time to have unlimited usage of a plane and obtain revenue share. Doesn't matter what size share you buy with us, you can use it as much or as little as you want and participate in all of the, the revenue that that plane generates. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. Have a question for David or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Hey, everyone. This is Strategy Sherpa Show. This is David Chavez, and we just had Joel Stevenson with us And from Yesware. He was the former CEO, and now he's off on his new venture. And I just wanted to um, summarize a few things. But before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about the webinar that I'm doing. I'm doing a webinar on the 30th of this month at 1 p.m. Central. And if you're interested, get on AssuredStrategy.com's website and look at events. And you can go ahead and sign up right there. Um, we only allow people that sign up into the webinars. We want to make sure that we have all the right people in there and that um, we can have a conversation because what we like to do inside of our webinars is we like to talk of and use real life issues to uh, apply some of the things we teach clients. And I think there's no better way than to use real life stories from the people that are in the workshop. So the the, the work, the webinars, be, uh, I keep on saying workshop, but it's a webinar, but the webinars seem to be a little bit more valuable to the people attending them when we do this. So get on and sign up. And then um, one of my partners, uh, Ted Servada, he is going to be uh, doing one on February 6th, and um, Ted is going to do it on the strategy and how it relates to operational effectiveness. And to help you understand what he's talking about here, um, a lot of people mix up, mix up strategy with operational effectiveness, and Joel just talked about this a little bit just a few moments ago. And you really want to understand the difference between these two topics because strategy is what you're doing for your customer and a company has a strategy. I, use, I hear words like strategies used a lot. Usually it's not strategies. They're operational execution things we're doing to realize or bring our strategy to life. And so Ted's going to talk a little bit about the differences. And these are some of the things we work with clients on. But it's really important for leaders to understand these differences because it causes confusion a lot of times when we have strategies. And so um, I talk a lot about this even when I speak to groups about strategy versus strategies. And usually the strategies are usually execution um implementations that we're actually doing then the next webinar the uh, and then the next workshop we're doing and this is a live workshop it's an all-day workshop in phoenix and what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about change and anytime you're putting something new into your company it, um it is a change process and so my partner king peklovic is going to be talking about that and how you get your people engaged in that change if you've been frustrated with trying to get 
things into your company or changes into your company, and they're just not working the way you want them to, coming and joining us in Phoenix on the 15th of February may be a huge benefit to you. It may really open your eyes to some of the things that you're doing that are causing your initiatives not to work the way you want them to work. So join Kane on the 15th of February in Phoenix, Arizona, and it is on the website also. But let's go back to some of the things that Joel said, because I think he said some really important things in, in his um in his in his sharing with us today. You know, we all are trying to be collaborative as leaders often. And there's a fine line between directing and just uh, um and not listening. But what Joel was talking about is he had a good pulse as as a former salesperson, and uh, he had a good pulse of the market, and his operations team didn't sound like they had a good pulse on the market. As a matter of fact, it sounded like um, they were not listening to the salespeople, and that was a little bit of the salespeople's fault because the salespeople came in and started telling operations what they should be doing instead of selling them on what they needed to be doing. And that's what Joel was talking about. They're not using their own talent to realize what they um, what they were trying to share with operations about what the customer's needs were. Inside of Scaling Up, we have this uh, thing called the Rockefeller Habits Checklist, and I figured... Um, um, I guess I can't share it with you. I don't know why I can't share on my own software, but I guess I can't. And I was going to share with you that the Rockefeller Habits Checklist, and um, it is uh, the reporting and analysis of customer feedback is as frequent and accurate as financial data. So the salespeople had the feedback I don't know if they were recording it or, or or organizing it in any certain way. And they come and talk to the operations people. And because this data is not gathered over time, it feels like it's very subjective when it's being uh, shared with one another inside of the company. So when you're gathering this data, we have to gather it within a few minutes after the sales call is over, because if we don't, we start to put in our own voice. And what I mean by that is, is that um, so a customer shares with us X, Y, Z, uh, they wish they could see that inside of your product. And you come back and, and a day later, you're sharing it with somebody in operations and it was like, I was talking to a customer and they said that they really would like to see this. And I can't remember exactly what they said. And let me go back to them and talk to them again. Or I put it in my own voice and I say it again to the operations people and to the operations people, all they're hearing is your opinion, not that this is data from the customer. And that's where we go wrong sometimes with this data. We need to collect the data of what the customer is saying so that we can accumulate that data and look at it and categorize it so we can look at what the customer's needs really are. And this is very common in entrepreneurial companies where there is a lot of decision-making going on because remember, Joel was an entrepreneur, not an entrepreneur in this company. And what ends up happening is the entrepreneurs become very directive at what needs to happen. In this case, he was trying to be very collaborative 
And because we were being so collaborative and the salespeople weren't sharing in the way that the operations people could understand, the operations people pushed against what the salespeople were sharing with them of what they were learning with the customer. So these things have to work in, 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 in together with each other. I have a lot of people ask me what the rock, what scaling up is. I say it's the Rockefeller Habits Checklist. The real challenge with the Rockefeller Habits Checklist is learning some of these nuances and some of the human behavior aspects that go into it. And that's why having a really good team really matters. In other words, a team that wants to collaborate and wants to help each other and talk about issues to get great resolutions instead of pushing back against each other all the time. And the I think the biggest thing Joel said today is that he needed to make a decision. He was, he was um, not making the decisions. He was letting the development team make the decisions, which turned out to be a mistake. And it turned out that salespeople were correct. And Joel sort of knew it as we were going along. I think all of us have been in this position as leaders. I know I have sometimes. I know my gut's telling me something something's wrong. I guess it's where it's at in the hierarchy, the decision. Is it a decision that'll kill the company or is it a decision that if we if it's not correct, um, it's not going to hurt us too bad? In a smaller company, some of those smaller decisions in a larger company are big decisions. And I don't think Joel was separating those two things. And he was that's what he actually shared. This is the Strategy Sherpa Show. And what we do is we talk to business leaders about some of the things that they did that weren't didn't work out well for them. So they're actually failures for them. And we try to bring them to life of how we ended up fixing them and what we did to go on if we had the chance to fix them, which Joel did not today. So I wanted to I, I wanted to just remind you of the purpose of the show, and we really appreciate you coming and listening. And please join us for one of our webinars and workshops, assuredstrategy.com backslash events. We look forward to seeing you at one of them. Have a great day. This is Strategy Sherpa Show, and this is David Chavez. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Strategy Sherpa Show with David Chavez. We hope we've given you some insight into the journey of success and how the road to success is laid with bricks of failure. Tune in next week for another inspiring episode.